0: On today's Riding the 3 by 3 Patrick Fetch and I, Russ Heltman, dive into all things NFL Week 6. We hand out our most impressive and least impressive squads through five weeks. Make some picks against the spread. As Pat's coming off a red-hot 3-0 week, both of us trying to get over five hundred for the season. Lane number two, we dive into the MLB playoffs. AL Championship Series and NL Championship Series is set. We dive into those matchups and give some thoughts on a crazy ending to Giants-Dodgers. And then NBA is almost here. The 2021-22 campaign about to tip off next week. And that means Pat and I have to give our conference finals, NBA finals, and Larry O'Brien lifter predictions as we Do that to close out the show in lane number three. All that heard right here on Riding the 3x3. Catch it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Riding the 3x3. Subscribe, rate, and review. Let's dive into lane number one. Rolling into lane number one on Riding the 3x3 as we have a litany of NFL topics to get to. NFL Week 6 is here. I already had the Thursday night battle between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles. As Ira Seltman, your host, I'm joined by my co-host Patrick Fetch, who unfortunately was not on the show last week, but his picks were on the show. A 3-0 slate of picks at that. Mr. Fetch, it might be we just might just need to kick you out and, and get your picks from now on to uh,
1: to make this a winning winning podcast for the people. I don't even exactly remember my picks. Maybe maybe I should. Absolutely stellar. First time this I this year I felt like I was actually seeing the NFL board a little bit. Didn't make a fool out of myself this week, Russ. Let's see about next week. There's always <laughs> seven and eight week. on the season now,
0: tied with me. I had a rough weekend. Uh, went one and two once again, but Pat three and L all favorites all winners. We had the Saints minus two Titans. Minus four and a half over the Jaguars. Saints over the Washington football team. And then the Cardinals, minus five. Who did the Cardinals play last weekend? I completely forgot. The 49ers. Yes. They cover. They won 17-10, so you got that one as well. 3-0 and for Pat. As we jump into lane number one this week on riding a 3 by 3 we have so much to get to in terms of the week six slate, Pat. And I want to know, Pat, what is your most... Impressive and least impressive franchises through the first five weeks of the season. I'll go ahead and start. My most mm-hmm. impressive team so far in this NFL season. I, I think it's kind of a cop-out, but I feel like you have to go with, uh, with, with what we're seeing out of the Buffalo Bills. They have been unbelievable so far this year. Number one point differential in the entire NFL. They're, I think they're about 40 points higher. Then the next closest team, Arizona Cardinals. They have by far the best DVOA of any team in the uh, Football Outsiders database right now. Uh, Leading the way, once again, back-to-back weeks. They are aboard the Football Outsiders DVOA rankings. First team this season to carry the mantle uh, in consecutive weeks. And overall, Pat, what we're seeing out of this team is just complete domination at almost every level of the field, including the rushing attack, which has been very dynamic so far this year. Buffalo, to get to put this in perspective, they have a 49.6% total DVA on the year. That's almost 16% higher than the number two team, Dallas Cowboys, which would be the same gap between Dallas and the number seven team, New Orleans. That's how much better Buffalo has been than their opponents in the rest of the NFL so far this year. Despite Arizona being 5-0 on the year, Pat, I got to go with the Buffalo Bills because... I thought they could be a Super Bowl contender, but I didn't expect them to put up complete performances like we've seen them do so far this year. And the win 38-20 over
1: Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs put the stamp on the approval. You will hear no argument from me on this side, Russ. They have been absolutely awesome. That week one game against the Steelers was just a really weird game. The Steelers' defense came out. Josh Allen did not play well. And obviously, he's, he's the big key, and he's played absolutely incredible since then. Everyone on the team just continues to get better. You know, they didn't make any big splash moves over the offseason. Um, I guess Emmanuel Sanders, kind of, but they just... They a just tidy it up
0: move right there. Yeah,
1: definitely. But they've just gotten better at everyone. You know, Tremaine Edmonds continues to get better on the defensive end, being the star linebacker that... Every great team and great defense needs to go to the next level. Their secondary is absolutely awesome. Uh, Johnson and White out on the corners. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer probably don't get talked enough as two of the best you know safety combos in the NFL. And we've seen just how important a dynamic can safety, how important a dynamic safety can be, especially for Super Bowl contending teams. Pretty much every Super Bowl winning team has had dynamic players in the secondary that have made splash plays throughout the the playoffs. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I you will hear no argument for me. The Bills are absolutely awesome. I think they're going to dominate this weekend when they go to Tennessee and play the Titans. And I don't see anybody slowing them down. I, I don't even... They handled the Chiefs so well last week. I think we all expected it to be game of the year potential. Could be a letdown spot after it. Beat both teams up. No, I mean, Buffalo... The Bills just went into Kansas City and kind of dominated the Chiefs. It, it really didn't become that tense of a game at all, in my opinion. So... No argument here. The Bills have been awesome. They're probably the favorite, if you ask me. I'd agree. They're probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl, just how awesome they've looked. Well, the victory
0: over the Chiefs actually took Kansas City out of consensus betting favorite mode for the first time, I believe, since the latter portion of, uh, of 2019. So, And now we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the odds-on favorite mm. to lift the Super Bowl trophy. But the Bills right there, out on their heels behind them. And it's another big test this weekend, Pat, for this defense out of Buffalo. I think they should be able to keep it rolling. Five and a half point favorites, and a defense that I mentioned the difference in DVOA rating overall for the Bills, but it's even more just drastic when you look at how dominant this defense has been. Number they're minus they're they're so far this season have amassed a minus minus forty three point two percent defensive DVOA. That's almost thirty percent higher than the next closest team. And, yeah, Pat, like, that's that's the difference between number two and, like, number 23 in the entire league. That's how much better yeah. this Bills defense has been than the entire slate of, of teams they've played so far. Now, obviously, you have Davis Mills. You have Ben Roethlisberger, who they lost to. You have some, some down-trending quarterbacks mixed in there. But they made Patrick Mahomes look human on, the, on Sunday. Teams have figured out the answer to slowing down Mahomes. It's all about not pressuring him with blitzing making him sit back there, pick apart seven-man coverages, pick apart eight-man coverages, and we'll have to see if the Chiefs can uh, can counter the counter as we keep moving forward. And that kind of takes me to my least impressive team, Pat, in the Kansas City Chiefs. Two and three overall. They get housed against the Buffalo Bills in Week 5. It was basically a prove-it game for Buffalo. They checked every single box, and we already have the same amount of interceptions Thrown in all of 2020 from Patrick Mahomes that he has thrown in 2021. Tosses sixth INT in that game on Sunday night. And the ringers, Ben Solak, kind of laid it out perfectly, Pat. When you do not blitz Patrick Mahomes, you can turn him into Kirk Cousins. And that's a problem. Now, obviously, you still have to go force turnovers. Obviously, you have to score points on the other end. But when you do not blitz Patrick Mahomes, he goes from all-world unstoppable talent to a guy that you can beat if you have the proper personnel and the proper timeliness on your lucky plays. It didn't work for the Eagles, who only blitzed Mahomes three or four times, and he dropped a 42-piece on him with five touchdowns, but it worked for the Buffalo Bills because of, like you said, their ability in this offseason to not have to make that splash move, rely on all their in-house development, and really kind of tidy up the margins like I
1: mentioned. I agree the Chiefs have been extremely underwhelming. The the issue is that definitely not Mahomes, so I understand no. what you're saying. Yeah. I mean it, it's you watch them their defense is an absolute mess, right? Their defense has let up 38, 30, 30, 35 and 29 in all their games this season. Like their their defense can't stop anybody. Their run game isn't that efficient and isn't that trustworthy they don't necessarily want to play offense like that too or they're trying to grind out these sort of methodical drives they're just not playing good complementary football and then Mahomes is throwing absolute backbreaking interceptions at the worst times and uh, pretty much all their losses too so that's not helping either he definitely needs to clean up the sloppiness they play some backyard football at times and that's really really what's hurting them but uh, I agree I-, I like where you went with that I'll go back to my most impressive team real quick. My most impressive team, since you went with the Bills, I'm kind of going between the Cardinals and the Chargers right now. Yeah, Chargers I'll bring right up, up there. I'll bring up the Cardinals just because they're 5-0. I mean, they've been awesome. Huge win in L.A. to beat the Rams. Kind of dominated that game and beat the Niners. So they've taken firm control over that division. They've been really good, really awesome, but I want to talk about the Chargers. I just think like they're going to be more fun to talk about right now. I remember when Brandon Staley got hired, I, on this podcast, uh, belittled it. I was like, what is this selection? He has no real experience. I didn't really understand it. It was very obvious I had never even heard him speak before. Because as soon as you hear him talk about football, you obviously know that he's a perfect guy. Everything that you hear about him, uh, the way that he prepares, how engaged he has his whole team, uh, not only what their job is that day, but just what the objective of the entire team is, how they're going to attack the best players, how they're going to counter, how they're going to get attacked from the other team. And he just has a really smart, really together football team. And you can see it in the games that they're playing. Obviously, the aggressiveness everyone's talking about with them, uh, in their third and fourth down conversions and, and their strategy there. But just the nails that that offense has shown, both at the end of that Kansas City game and at the end of that Cleveland game, to just be gutsy and win games. There's obviously really good situational awareness. They never seemed like they were out of the game. Even when the momentum shifts, they were doing such a good job of grabbing that momentum back right away. I've just been so impressed with the way the Chargers have played. And you know, pound for pound, the depth might be there, but... If they can stay healthy, you know, that's been a key, too. If you can stay healthy at the end of the year, they have maybe the most talented 22 that you could put out there or at least just game-breaking players. Their offense is awesome with Justin Herbert. We're going to be talking about Justin Herbert right up there with Mahomes, I believe. I'd probably take Herbert over Josh Allen, over Lamar, over all these quarterbacks at this point from what I've seen from them. Their defense just has the dynamic play breakers, too. The Bosa's. You still got, um. Uh, what's their safety's name? throwing uh, James, James out there. You've got really good secondary play. I, I think they can be awesome. I love the Chargers, and don't sleep on them, too, coming out of the AFC. I definitely think they can make a run for it. Maybe they have uh, some inexperience show in the playoffs, and they need another year to really grow to that level. Mm-hmm. But, man, the Chargers are a problem right now.
0: Double-digit victory over the Raiders have beaten two or excuse me three teams so far with winning records and so actually no, you know what I'm, th- I'm just assuming I just am so used to the. I'm, what am I talking about Pat the Chiefs on winning record. regardless <laughs> though they went on the road to KC they beat them in Arrowhead you, you get it done by two touchdowns against a winning team in the Oakland Raiders you welcome the Cleveland Browns in with the best rushing attack in all of football one of the best rosters in all of football and you take them out at the wire going down to it and you open the season with a nice win against Washington. And it seems like they're starting to get their first and second down issues fixed. Justin Herbert earlier on the year was playing really bad on first and second down. And really great on third and fourth down. The money downs. Which is the reason why they were 2-1. and one, Even 2-1 and one to start the season. But they're turning that all around. And Pat, they just kind of get it. They're all in sync. The entire franchise is forging ahead in one motion. The battleship is is going the right direction right now. They're not going to spend two to three weeks here or there in the middle of the season trying to get on the same page, turned in the right direction. Mike Williams is starting to hit that top 10 wide receiver selection potential that we all saw him uh, potentially have coming out of Clemson a few years ago. I believe that was in the Deshaun Watson class, and he's starting to finally meet his maker, meet his potential with, uh, with that Justin Herbert arm slinging him the football. And they have a quiet confidence about them that emanates not only from Brandon Staley, but from Justin Herbert. I just kind of come back to with this whole team. They have a defined identity. They have a defined thought process and it allows them to stay aggressive because they trust their quarterback so much. They can call plays for four down scenarios instead of just your typical three and out punt the football away. And it gives them a wide, wide advantage when you have a coach quarterback on the same page vibing with each other, really picking up what the other is putting down, and a big, large amount of trust throughout the entire organization. Brandon Staley talked about trust this week in light of the John Gruden uh, scandal, and it's it's really difficult to bet against a guy like Brandon Staley after you've heard him talk on the microphone a few times. I love that pick, Pat. Most impressive team for Mr. Fetch is the Chargers. I went with the Bills. My least impressive team is the Chiefs. Pat, who's
1: your least impressive squad through five weeks? Uh, this is tough. I like where you the angle you went with yours. Uh, I'll have to go with a team that I've been championing a little bit, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Oof. I've been high on Brian Flores. I really thought that he was building something down there in Miami. They had a really nice week one victory. Go to Foxborough, beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots in a tight game. Really tight-fought game, and I thought that's kind of how the Dolphins were going to play all year. Since then, they got absolutely whopped at home by the Bills, 35-zip, lost to Oakland and kind of a crazy game against the Raiders, a game they probably should have won, but you could say that for both sides, kind of a nonsense game. Then they lose to the Colts at home, can get uh, dominated in the fourth quarter. By the Bucks, I just thought this team was going to be better. I thought they'd be more competitive. Their offense is in world of trouble. Tua can't stay healthy, and I don't think a majority of the league is convinced that Tua is even the guy anymore. Jacoby Brissett is just sort of you know pushing the ship along while he can. <laughs> they don't really have any dynamic players on their. I mean they do have dynamic players on their offense. You know Jalen Waddles awesome. Devonte Parker continues to be steady. I love Gasicki. Gaskin's been, I guess, a little bit of a disappointment in the running game. Have they really not been able to get that going at all? I'm just all in all disappointed in the Dolphins. I don't know what the answer is. It feels like they're in a little bit of purgatory where they're going to play hard for this coach. They're not bad enough to blow it all up and start over again. They've just already been doing that. But doesn't seem like they have really a place out. And I think I'm just most disappointed in them. I thought they'd compete in that division. And they just look helpless. They look like they're on their way to another top 5, top 10 pick at this rate.
0: Pat, we kind of overlooked this in the offseason because everything with the trades, the flurry of news going on, you had Aaron Rodgers trying to get traded on draft day, but the Dolphins gave up a first round pick to go trade for a guy in Jalen Waddle who will not be the best wide receiver. I can definitively say that in this draft class. I will pose this question to you. Massive mistake or giant
1: flub? Which one, Pat? Flub or mistake? Take your pick. I like Jalen Waddle, so I don't like that narrative to him. I think the mistakes. But begin do you trade first round picks for game. receivers that are not going to be the best player in their draft class? Would you do that? You don't, especially when you don't use him correctly, right? I mean, if you're going to go that high, he should be the absolute focal point of that offense. There's no reason for him not to be like leading that offense in touches, especially without any other clear superstar dynamic piece on that offense. They do, they don't have anybody to feature, so it's crazy that he is not been more of a player for them mm-hmm. and I will cut the, the Dolphins some slack here I agree with you they're right up
0: there with the least impressive team so far considering their expectations that's kind of how I wanted to attack this little exercise one and four on the season but according to Seth Walter of ESPN Analytics they faced the toughest schedule according to Football Power Index in the entire league so far you got to go to Tampa Bay you have to host the Colts who they should I mean any team nobody should lose to the Colts right now the Colts are a disaster but you have to go to the Raiders. You lose in a hard fought game there. You play the Bills early on in the season. You open the season on the road against the New England Patriots, uh, with, with Bill Belichick and his acumen
1: against young quarterbacks. So I
0: think there's, there's a chance schedule, the,
1: yeah, it really ahead. lightens up. It really lightens up too to your point. They got Jags, Falcons, at Bills, then Texans, then Ravens, then Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets, Saints, Titans. So it definitely lightens up. There's a lot of winnable games there for them the rest of the season. Right. I mean, the only
0: one that really... The Ravens scare you, but they don't scare the death out of you. At the Bills Mm -hmm. is really the only matchup that's like, all right, that's a definitive loss. I mean, other than Mm -hmm. that, I could see this defense maybe being able to slow down Lamar Jackson a little bit, but I would probably still be picking the Ravens in that scenario. That being said, they are going to be a coin flip scenario in a lot of their games remaining, and they better hope they win a lot of those coin flips, Pat, because... The Philadelphia Eagles, I don't, I, haven't, I don't have a tool to figure this out, but they, in my opinion, are about to become the first team in NFL history or are on track to become the first team in NFL history with three top 10 draft picks. And of course, Pat, it's going to come in a year when there is probably uh, may, maybe one top 10 worthy pick amongst the quarterback
1: class at the college level. <laughs> it's just the way it's going to work for Philadelphia this year. I'm not quitting on Jalen. I I still think Jalen Hurts can be fine. So I don't think that's the worst thing for them to. to That's what that's what Bengals fans. That's what Bengals
0: fans said for a decade with Andy Dalton. Pat, come on. (laughs) What are we doing? You don't. You aren't looking for your quarterback to just be fine. You're looking for your quarterback to have top ten, top five potential. And unless Jalen Hurts at some point this season or in his football playing career can learn how to learn learn how to look past his first read and go through his progressions. I don't see it happening. The Buccaneers knew exactly how to defend the Philadelphia Eagles last night. That's a big reason why he threw a couple of interceptions and, or excuse me, threw an interception and wasn't able to lead the team once again, over 25 points. So, but back to the dolphins, I think they get on track this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they have been just as bad as Pat said. They've been bottom three in football outsiders, DVOA on the season, number 30th overall. And when you look at them offensively, it has just been brutal, man. 29th in D- offensive DVOA on the season. They really need Tua Tagovailoa to show something coming off this rib injury. And I'm, I'm I'm trending towards, the like Pat said, the rest of the league here. I love Tua coming out. I love the big plays. Love the quick twitch ability. We just have not seen it at the NFL level. Let's do some picks, Pat. Let's make some picks this week as you and I both trying to get above 500, trying to kick this 1-2 and streak that I seem to be on over the past two to three weekends. What's your first selection, your first against the spread pick this week?
1: I'll I'll make it easy. This one's definitely my lock of the week. I I, uh, referenced it earlier, gave you a little sneak peek. The Bills, I don't even know what the line is. Let me get the line up real quick. In Tennessee... Five and a half, I love it. I take this all the way up to like eight probably. I think the Bills are just a wagon right now. And like I said last week, seemed like it was game of the year potential. This could have been a letdown spot, but there was the whole delay and they kinda of just dominated that game. So I don't see any type of letdown potential. I think they're gonna come in fresh, come in confident. I think they're just ready for the next week. So I think they're gonna come in and just dominate the Titans. The Titans have not been extremely impressive this year. I thought we'd expected a little bit more out of them is that the Monday night game too that is so it's a Monday night game in Tennessee maybe that gives the Titans a little bit more juice but I think the bills are just too good right now I'll take them I'm with you Pat the bills are covering
0: at an absurd rate right now best cover margin in the NFL plus 15.3 they have only covered missed out on one cover this year that was at home in week one against the uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers and that's the fourth best cover mark by any team through five games. In the last 20 seasons. All by at least 15 points they have covered their past four games. I don't see the train slowing down anytime soon. I fully expect them to limit Derrick Henry this year. The Bills defense, like I said, has been by far their biggest strength. And they are allowing the fourth fewest yards per rush on the year with 3.7 yards per tote against them. That one, it's just one of those where like, I'm thinking... This is way too easy. Vegas knows too much. There's no way this can hit because less than a touchdown right now for this buzzsaw that is the Bills,
1: I don't get it. My next pick. Primetime games. I will say that primetime games have been a little sketchy this year. And maybe that gives me a little bit of pause. But I'm just going to ignore the time and the setting. The Bills are a much better team. Ride that line.
0: I like Josh Allen at prime time. Give me J.A. in prime time. I love it. <laughs> All right. My pick. I'm going with uh, another line that to me makes... Wholeheartedly zero cents. I do not get it at all, Pat. And that's the Cowboys being just three and a half point favorites going into the dead body, the ghost that is the (laughs) the New England Patriots. This team should have lost to Davis Mills and the dang freaking Houston Texans last week. You're telling me that a team that couldn't, could barely fend off Davis Mills and the Texans is going to be able to slow down the Dallas Cowboys offense right now, the best offense. In the league, in my opinion, in terms of all full continuity from rushing attack, from all five offensive linemen, from two-headed monster on the ground, to a Peyton Manning-esque defensive reading season out of Dak Prescott. I love the way this offense is cooking. I don't see any scenario where the Patriots get enough pressure on Dak Prescott to slow him down. Mac Jones is a rookie quarterback. I believe Mac Jones makes a couple mistakes in this game. And they're the only team in the NFL that's 5-0 against the spread are the Dallas Cowboys. And I think they get the 6-0 against the spread here. Fifth in offensive efficiency. Seventh in defensive efficiency. Only team in the league to rank in the top seven of both metrics. And to me, Pat, I just don't really see a scenario where as well as this Viking or this Cowboys team is clicking,
1: they get slowed down by the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots can make that game just ugly enough. The Patriots still have a really good defense. And Matt Jones, you know he's not throwing the ball more than 10 yards down the field ever one time. So he's going to limit Trevion Diggs and that defense's ability to make the splash plays that they've been making this year. I I like the pick because I I do agree with you. The Cowboys just seem like such a better team that they have no excuse to cover it. But I can see the Patriots making that a dirty game and just making it sloppy. But it,
0: like, yeah, maybe, but I just don't <laughs> see Mac Jones putting up twenty points, and I don't see a scenario yeah. where the Cowboys do not get to twenty points. They haven't. They haven't been. They haven't broken. Um, they have the Patriots have not broken twenty five points this season. They face the Dolphins, Texans, Saints, Jets, and Bucks. Of those teams, only the Saints rank in the top half of Football Outsiders DBOA defensively. And when you look at the pet Cowboys this year. Defensive DVOA, sixth. I don't see Mac Jones throwing two touchdowns. I don't see this offense scoring two touchdowns. They're going to need the Patriots' defense to force a turnover and get in the end zone themselves. And we all know the likelihood of that in the NFL. Give me the Cowboys to get the 6-0 on the spread. Your third pick, or your second pick,
1: Pat. I like that. And Zeke's been really good this year. He unlocks that offense so much. My next pick, I'm going to go with this one is gross, but I'll go with the Texans plus 10 in Indianapolis. I'm taking the Texans. They've been pretty good this year. you know, they've been fine. Uh, Davis Mills looked really good last week against the Patriots, which was very surprising. Ten points is a lot. The Colts have no no right to have 10 points against anybody in the world. They shouldn't be favored by 10 against Georgia. So <laughs> I'm going I'm going with the Texans. In Indianapolis, I'm just not a believe. it's the Fade Carson Wentz show, and that's what we do here. Fade Carson Wentz show. I love that. I'm with you, Pat. I, it's just,
0: I, I'm. That's one of my picks as well. The Colts laying ten to any professional football team right now makes no sense, and I don't think I need to give any more analysis. Has anyone watched this team <laughs> this year? Has anyone watched Carson Wentz play football over the past two to three years? They love giving up leads. They love keeping things close. And that's what they're going to do here. This Texas team is not going to quit. They're going to scratch and claw. I think they keep keep it inside of the number and force one or two turnovers from Carson Wentz. I fully expect that. Davis Mills maybe picking up some steam here when you get some confidence becoming, I believe, the first quarterback in uh, in the history of Bill Belichick's coaching career with the Patriots to throw for 300 yards and two touchdowns in a game. Then, uh, then yeah, you could be, could be doing all right. We should, we could be seeing a lot more good stuff from Davis Mills. So, I don't, I don't see a scenario here. I could see a scenario, late backdoor cover by the Colts, but like, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get making them a ten point favorite. Maybe six and a half, just inside a touchdown. I don't get it. I don't, I don't even want to. I'm not diving into the DBOA for this. We've already gone twenty seven <laughs> minutes on the on the dang NFL segment. Give me the Texans plus ten as my final pick. Your final pick, Pat.
1: I'm going Broncos minus four at home and mile high against the Raiders. We've heard all about Gruden. I mean, the Raiders' whole situation is absolutely dumpster fire. I guess you could say this is like a rally around the team, around the interim coach. Now you get Gruden out of the locker room, maybe you could rejuvenate them. I'm not too sure. Going into Denver is never easy. I think the Broncos are better than they should last week in Pittsburgh. I like the Broncos in this spot. I just think uh, we can expect another flat, dead performance out of the Vegas Raiders. I love Pat going with the
0: scenario picks, fading the dysfunction in back-to-back weeks. I like that there. You hit on it with the uh, Tech Titans cleaning up the Jaguars last week after Old Herb's trip to the trip to the bar in Columbus, <laughs> and now we have John Gruden getting the trip to the professional gulag, which I doubt he will ever leave again <laughs> due to his disgusting emails that were shown or brought to light this past week. I like that pick there, Pat. Broncos minus three and a half. This is a Raiders team that probably should be one and four if the ball bounces one or two different directions on one or two plays in the first three weeks of the season. They got a scoring differential of minus seven on the season. This is a team that I don't think should be in a pick'em scenario with the Broncos right now, especially on the road in mile high. And they are not in that pick'em scenario sitting at minus three and a half. Are the Denver Broncos Jumping into lane number two, it's baseball time, Pat. We've had a very nice postseason so far in the Major League Baseball circuit. The championship series are set after a crazy check swing call at right around 1 a.m. Eastern time last night in the battle. Game five final battle between the two best teams, I think unequivocally, in the National League this year, the Los Angeles Dodgers get it done over the San Francisco Giants, and they face the Atlanta Braves, Pat. And that's where where we'll start before moving over to the AL. Actually, no, let's start in the AL because they get their series uh, pitched off and first pitch thrown a day before the NL series starts. So Boston Red Sox battling the Houston Astros. What does Mr. Fetch see in this
1: series? Who has the advantage and what are you looking for? Oof. I mean, I think you've got to say that the Astros have the advantage. They've looked so unbelievably good. Um, it's sick, and I think everybody wants to root against the Astros still. They didn't really get their due justice last year. I mean, even last year, they were like an out away from, from going back to the World Series. Right. But they looked so good against the White Sox. Their lineup is just deadly. Every One through nine is an absolute problem. Altuve is playing great, great baseball right now. Um, yeah, and like again, like I said, they just don't give you a break in their lineup, and I don't see the, I don't see the Red Sox having the pitching that can stand up with them. The Astros scored six, nine, six, and ten runs against the White Sox. The White Sox really didn't stand a chance that whole series. It felt like, and the White Sox, who were such a good team, had you know World Series aspirations, a great lineup in themselves. And the Astros just looked dominant in every single game. Um, now on the other half, it, it felt like it does feel like Boston has a little bit of team of destiny energy. Uh, every single game they've played in has been absolute electric as far as the crowd and the energy, how tense it's been. They've played a lot of close games, so Boston's not gonna not gonna roll over. They're gonna be ready for it. But I just don't think they have the pitching. Uh, their offense played great. They won a few tight games against the Rays. A little bit of luck here and there in those in those close games, so um, I think the Astros are going to win pretty handily just because of the pitching difference. But that being said, like the, the Red Sox could absolutely have some devil magic up their sleeve <laughs> because they're their type of team that runs on that type of that type of stuff.
0: Astros slash two eighty eight, three seventy one, four thirty two in the ALDS against the White Sox. Just really gave them no chance to get off the mat throughout that five-game series. Are you worried at all about the loss of Lance McCullers, Pat? Not entirely.
1: You trust in the Um, younger arms? I do. I mean, that's that's what's so impressive about this Astros team is their pitching's been so good, even without the names that you expect, right? I mean, McCullers goes down... They don't have Verlander, who's been carrying that rotation over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Your grinky doesn't blow you uh, off the page. And so it's been crazy just how dominant the Astros have continued to been. They've been fighting through these cheating scandals. Everyone expected them to take a step back. Everyone expected this, that, and the next. And they've come out and looked even dominant than they did before all the scandals and all that has come out. And so I don't really have any answers for it. I don't know how you beat them. It's just their development and their coaching is just so much better. I just think if... The one advantage
0: the Boston Red Sox could have in this series, if they can get to the bullpen and get a little deep into it, there are some shaky, shaky, shaky pieces out there. Brooks Rayleigh, Christian Javier, and Yemi Garcia, along with Phil Mattone, Matt- I think Madden? Mattone, I don't know which one it is, have, they've all combined that quadruplet for a five ERA since the start of August. So obviously you have Kendall Graveman there, and he's going to set things up. With, uh, with Ryan Presley, hopefully being able to answer the bell night in, night out. But if they can get to get past some of those initial bullpen arms, it could be a fireworks fest in the late innings for the Boston Red Sox, who, like you mentioned, Pat, have kind of ridden the team of destiny status here. They had to basically sweep the Washington Nationals in the final series of the regular season to get into the wild card. And then they took care of business in the one game playoff against New York,
1: they took care of business against the and I'll say this yeah oh sorry I was gonna let you finish that real quick but um I I think that the Astros will dominate the Red Sox starting pitching Eovaldi is really the only starting pitcher on the Red Sox I have a lot of faith in and I think that'll be the difference I think the Astros are going to get into that Red Sox bullpen early and often all series long mm-hmm. and if they don't get anything from sale it
0: will be pretty difficult to win this series you'd think Sale yeah. just been injured all year long. Came back from Tommy John in the, in the middle of the August window. Four nine seven ERA in his final three regular season start regular season starts, and then only went one. I think he went one inning in it, in his game two outing. Allowed five first inning runs. So that can't happen again. If the Red Sox want to fend off those freaking cheaters, man, the Astros. They say playoff baseball Pat is supposed to be random. That you'd have to play like forty eight or sixty game series to actually make it just like the probabilities in NHL and NBA. But here we are, another ALCS, and uh, the Houston Astros are in front of our faces. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Gotta (laughs) love it. Speaking of teams that are always in our faces, the Los Angeles Dodgers, right there as well, welcoming in a team that I believe they, didn't they, they beat the Braves last year in the Divisional Series, right? And they, Mm -hmm. yeah, so the Atlanta Braves and the Dodgers matching up with, Hot Atlanta searching for revenge, starting with the Braves pack. Kind of crazy that they are in this scenario. You go into the All Star break below 500. Um, you have a crazy bad division in 2021 out of the NLE. So that it allowed them to stay in contention despite being that deep in the season as a mediocre to below average team. You bring in guys like Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall, Rosario, Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, and bing, bang, boom, you're 40 and 20 after the start of August and finding yourself in the national league championship series.
1: You got it. I mean, there's great regular season baseball teams and there's just great baseball teams, great playoff baseball teams. And I think the Braves got lucky that one, they're a great regular season team that they ran into another just good regular season team in the Brewers. I mean, the Brewers were not don't have any type of firepower in that offense that scare you. They won just like a bunch of chump games, cheap games, Really weren't exciting, uh, just like good pitching, good energy, right. but uh, yeah, and nothing the Braves have done all year really impress you. Obviously, they're down Acuna all season, who's their main fire stick in that lineup. So yeah, it is weird. I, I didn't want to get ahead of myself when we were talking about that last series, but everything is just smells like another Dodgers Astros World Series. It's, not, it's hard to say that they're not worthy of it. They've been dominant all year. Mm-hmm. That Dodgers-Giants series, man, how perfect is that, too? That those teams play so close the entire season. Comes down literally the last game of the season for the division winner. Then they get to meet in the playoffs. First time that they've ever met in the playoffs, which absolutely blew my mind that the right. Dodgers and Giants never played before. I guess it kinda that- makes
0: sense because they're in the same division. It would be tough to get out of the wild card and then meet again, but it does it does blow your mind. Like as storied as those two franchises are, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Which is I mean, a shame. But they lived up to the billing. They played so close all the way down to that very last strike into that bad call. I mean, It was perfect it was perfect baseball that was a de facto world series for all the real baseball fans i mean that was really the only series that really had caught my eye that i was really really in tune with and god it lived up to it and the dodgers getting out having the mental fortitude to to lose muncie in that very last game of the season which i thought was a much bigger deal than that's being played up that was such a huge loss max muncie for them uh, but then to have the grit and fortitude to make it through that series when they are not, they weren't playing really great baseball in any of it. Their offense was hit or miss throughout all of it. They, I mean, they needed the walk-off to get past the Cardinals even. So I just think all the fight that the Dodgers have had, now that they have the obvious talent disparity, I mean, maybe you could have said that last series that they had that obvious talent advantage. I think it's more obvious in this Brave series, I think, I think it's a pretty easy road for the Dodgers into that World Series. I'd be disappointed at this rate not to see them there, quite frankly. Yeah, one issue that could slip them up is
0: no Clayton Kershaw. So probably, what do you, do you think they'll pitch Bueller again on short rest, or will he? Will he be? I guess he will be full. Actually, no, he would be short rested again if they brought him in as that fourth guy, right? Cause um, because he be was honest, on short exactly rest coming sure. off of coming off of the last game of the regular season. Regard, I mean, yeah. regardless.
1: Somebody's going to have to pitch on short rest if they just want to go with, um, they don't want to bring Which in is a tough. starting pitcher. I wouldn't want to bring Bueller back on short rest. He's such a key to that rotation, and I need him on his A game. I need him wherever he's most comfortable, because I do think that could be their Achilles heel. If they, if they get a bad start from him, that could really set them back. In mm-hmm. their, in their
0: and of course, Pat, like you got, of course, Cody Bellinger hits 165 all year. And then he goes into the, mm-hmm. the giant series and has three or four just massive hits. So it's a, it's a bounty of riches for one of the richest teams in all of baseball, the baseball, Los Angeles Dodgers. But Hey, they're paying to get W's they're paying to get titles and they're knocking on the door of back-to-back world series championships. If they can get it done and punch another ticket to the big, what would that be Pat Four in the past six years that they've been to the World Series is that I mean? is that what it is? Something like that? It's insane. I mean, haven't they made like four in a row? It's something like it's it's, last... it's four or five in the last
1: in the last ten years. I know they made at least five or six World Series, four or five World Series. Oh, the Nationals, big. yeah, the Nationals are the only team to to make it in the last four years. Yep, there you go. Yeah. As
0: uh, as of course Pat, they added Max Scherzer, who comes in to the uh, to the divisional round, loses his one outing. On a one-zero, just spellbinding performance, but that's pitching in this sport. Comes in for his first ever save appearance in his career last night and gets the job done. Becomes the oldest pitcher in Major League Baseball history at about 37 and a half years old to capture their first postseason save at that late of an age since they started recording saves in He looked born for it, too. So I know he's got that he's got that K's. steely steely face. He just starts ripping off the jersey. I love Max Scherzer, man. He is uh-huh. he, he is a lot of fun to watch. So, those are our matchups in the championship series should be a lot of fun to watch, and we will give our matchups now or our perspective matchups what we think will happen in the NBA Eastern and Western Conferences tip off on Tuesday night with the Brooklyn Nets battling the reigning champion, Milwaukee Bucks. We still, I don't think we ever talked enough in sports media about how impressive and spellbinding Giannis Antetokounmpo scoring 50 points in a closeout Game 7 NBA Finals victory was. But I'm sure we'll get to talk about it more all next week. What we'll talk about very succinctly, and I kind of want to spin as a 30,000-foot view on the league as a whole, Pat, is the fact that Kyrie Irving's services will not be available to the Brooklyn Nets in the 2021-2022 NBA season. The franchise took a stance, which I applaud them for, saying, you're either all the way in or you're all the way out, Kyrie. We will not be servicing a part-time player on the roster this season. He will not be allowed to travel with the team and play in road games unless he becomes fully vaccinated, which would also allow him to play in home games at the Barclays Center and Madison Square Garden there when they travel to face the New York Knicks throughout the season. So, Pat, I don't really understand the situation. I don't get the motivation. i It's another situation with Kyrie Irving that I do not understand the man. I applaud him for standing his ground and putting his money where his mouth is. So oftentimes in our society, people refuse to do stuff like that. They talk a big talk and they don't actually follow it up, you have to give credit to Kyrie Irving. He is following up on this stance, although I'm not quite sure he's going to be following up on it throughout the entire season, seeing as he will lose $18 million by not playing in 2021, along with most likely the friendship, I would guess, or the the patience of Kevin Durant and James Harden, who he told Kevin Durant directly, I want to team up with you. Put your trust in me. He and Kevin Durant told James Harden directly, "Come to Brooklyn, we will get you your first title." And now Kyrie Irving is nowhere to be
1: seen. Is that what we're doing now, though? Is to the point where we just got to give Kyrie credit for just being Kyrie? Yeah, I mean, I get <laughs> well, this, at this. That's kind of where I'm at with
0: the situation. <laughs> I'm just throwing my hands up in confusion, and I'm like, I'm giving Kyrie credit for honestly making the NBA season a little <laughs> bit more interesting because if he had been on this team fully healthy, ready to roll, Pat. Just like last year, before they even brought in James Harden, I would have predicted the Nets to run away with the Larry O'Brien trophy.
1: Yeah, I mean, being a sports media guy, he's definitely giving you a gift, right? He's given you plenty to talk about. It <laughs> would not be as interesting of a preseason lead up without it. Yeah, I think Kyrie's an insane person. Uh, he's like done this before and showed us a million times that he is a crazy person. He That one little Instagram live video was the most narcissistic thing I think I've ever watched. It was so hard for me to get all the way through it. I've never seen someone spend 20 minutes saying less. Oh my God. I don't
0: know what he said. I don't understand what he said. (laughs) That's what he was. I don't know. It was just
1: so clear. I mean, he was just telling all of us that his worldview is that everybody spends every waking second thinking about me, concerned about me, trying to control me. I'm not going to let people control me. Like, nobody's doing any of that, Kyrie. You are doing all of this to yourself. Like, I promise you. And to the irony of all of it, I think the Nets are going to be better without him. I mean, wow. honest to God. Yes, like, Pat. Yeah. Feed, feed that flame. Feed the beast. Are we, we going to act like the combination and the duo of Kevin Durant and James Harden doesn't already make the Nets, like, the most prolific team in the NBA? That is deadly as it is. Why do you need another... But you know, somebody who is going to demand a usage rate of whatever <laughs> 30%, he's gonna demand 20 shots a game, and he's gonna demand that 12 of those shots be bad shots because that's a part of his artistic approach as a basketball player. Like, I don't know why you would want him on the court at all when you have the ability to be this ultra efficient, ultra effective team with two guys who understand the analytics of basketball who want to take good shots like they have a fine roster around them of guys who are going to play well with them you know blake griffin showed that he's capable of being a healthy good player they still got guys like tyler johnson who can give them like microwave buckets off the bench i love their uh draft in cam thomas who's an absolute flamethrower i hope that he's able to make an impact on that roster Claxon was great down low at the end of last year wasn't he i mean like they've got role pieces still and if Kyrie wants to be Kyrie and do all this nonsense i don't know why they wouldn't just dump him find a way to recoup some of that money and then just go play the you know vet game in the nba or go play the trade market like kyrie is being such a distraction such a negative such a buffoon and such an egomaniac i don't know why you would want anything to do with him at this point like why you would ever welcome him back onto that team is would be beyond me and, Pat, some of the numbers would agree with you there. Now, they are a better team
0: statistically with Kyrie Irving on the squad. Like, the, 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 what they did to the Boston Celtics last year in that first round, like, that was an actual NBA team that they put in front of the Brooklyn Nets, and they made them look like Pee Wee Squad running, uh, running, running runs with the, with the, with the nuns at the YMCA or something. It was, <laughs> it was rough to watch that Boston Celtics team even try to attempt to defend the Brooklyn Nets. But, despite losing Kyrie Irving last year, Kevin Durant and James Harden combinations on the court with those two guys paired with any three other players, they put up an offensive rating of 122.1 and 122 flat in the postseason. That's good, Bob. That's historically (laughs) good. So, yeah, they'll be okay. The Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion, should still be the favorites, not all across the board, minus... Money favorites to win the title, like I thought they should have been with Kyrie Irving in a fully healthy squad. But full rotation now, starting five of Bruce Brown, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris, Lamarcus Aldridge, or Blake Griffin. I would imagine Blake Griffin probably slots in that starting five. But you got guys like Aldridge that I just mentioned. You have Paul Millsack, you have Nick Claxton, you have Patty Mills, who becomes an even more important signing now, Pat, a guy with pure finals experience. Part of that Spurs mentality, over forty percent shooter from three um, in multiple seasons over the past three to four years. So he's a guy that, in Patty Mills, he can kind of semi make up for the outside shooting that Kyrie Irving brings, but obviously is not going to bring the same kind of a depth skills in and around the basket. So. Maybe they can uh, spruce up guys like Javon Carter, get him some extra minutes as a defensive bulldog, 3 and D type of guard player. Cam Thomas, their late first round pick this year. Maybe he starts to crack the rotation and picks up steam early on in the year. Played really well in the preseason. Has shown a strong ability to get buckets. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be just fine. And Kyrie Irving, if he loves the sport of basketball, will not be just fine. And I said this on a show yesterday as we tie this whole thing up, Pat. Why not, if you actually love the game and you love the sport, why don't you ask for a trade? Because as of right now, this, it feels like you're retiring. If you truly love yeah, the a... game, you would ask for a trade to one of the 25 other franchises in the NBA that you can play all 77, 76 games for outside of the municipalities that have the current protocols.
1: Yeah, it's just obvious it's not about that at this point. He's just uh, an egomaniac who has uh you know I don't know you, you don't know how to break through to somebody like that at this point, right? Like he's so far gone in the way of th- his way of thinking that I don't know how you bring him back, but I'll tell you what I would not want to be would not want to be the one to try to have that conversation with him because I guarantee you that'd make me want to bang my head against the wall. <laughs> Let's bang our heads against the wall some more, Pat, trying to figure out these conference <laughs>
0: finalists here in the eastern and western slates. I'm roll with mine. I'll give mine to start. I'm not a Lakers believer. I believe the Lakers will go over their over-under total in 2021-2022. And I believe they will be a top three seed. But I do not believe they will make the conference finals with how old they are, with how much they are reliant on Russell Westbrook, and his ability to completely change his game. I do think he will be a great boon in the regular season. I think they'll get the 55, maybe 60 wins. But... They will fall in the, in the playoffs at some point. And I think it'll happen in the second round to a team with a better big three. At this point in the season, they will be better in the Denver Nuggets, baby. Give me the Denver Nuggets. Michael Porter Jr. about to win most improved player of the year. I believe he will average 25 plus points per game this year. Would not be shocked if he leads the league in three-point percentage as one of the deadliest long-range attackers in the league. And at his, at his size, with his athleticism, he will be one of the biggest problems offensively in the two-man game that he will create with the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, a man who is getting talked about zero his soft season will come back and be just as good as he was in 2021. They'll receive Jamal Murray in about March, get him up to speed over that month, hit the ground running going into the playoffs, and they will have the best big three in the entire Western Conference by the time it's all said and done give me the nuggets matching up with a guy who I would not be shocked and would probably project him to win the MVP if I didn't love uh, love Anthony Davis so much this year at the current number of 25 to 1 but the odds on favorite at like I think I saw Luka Doncic is somewhat like plus 360 on some books plus 200 to win the MVP of the NBA before the season it's just crazy but it is well warranted because he is that great of a player I think Luka probably takes another leap this year. Carries his team to the conference finals on his back. They get the job done. The the mix-out of Reggie Bullock for Josh Richardson strikes just enough tune. The addition of a healthy Kristaps Porzingis, I think he turns it around this year and plays some okay defense after being a disaster over the last few years. Nuggets, Mavericks are my
1: Western Conference matchup. Pat, who do you have? I like your selections, and I, I, I agree with you. I think the West this year is an absolute crapshoot. I have no clue it's looking tough. at it who to really believe in. Um, what's the status of Kawhi this year? Are, are we going to expect him back at some point? I would be shocked if Kawhi played at all in 2021. Yeah, because uh, I was looking at it, and like that, that does stink, because with Kawhi, Paul George, with what we saw from that Clippers team, I wanted to pick them then remembering that injury does make that a tough selection tough tough belief i'm gonna go with one of my teams i'm gonna believe in the suns again i have no reason not to believe that they uh, can't continue to be a great basketball team obviously Mm -hmm. getting pretty much their entire roster back i think devin booker showed his ability to make steps last year and you know i think he's going to be undoubtedly probably one of the and maybe even top five players in the NBA this year. He's a stealth DeAndre, MVP candidate. Has a nice number uh-huh. right now.
0: I think it's hovering at like twenty-eight or twenty-eight to thirty to one, which is Nikola Jokic last year
1: hovering right in that same range of twenty to thirty to one. He does seem like someone who could who would be a logical selection to make that next huge step, and so uh, I, I love that. And then DeAndre Ayton definitely molded into. What I think we'll start to see from him you know, throughout his NBA career, really starting to find his niche in that offense, was just an absolute beast on the boards throughout the playoffs last year. So I really like what the Suns are doing. Maybe the fatigue gets to him; That's something to be worried about. But um, I'll, I'll go with Phoenix just because there's nobody else on this. And I, I love the Nuggets too. So I'll go with the Nuggets. I think I'll go with the Nuggets just barely over the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz are another team very similar to the Suns, where, you know, getting that whole roster back, I don't see why they wouldn't continue to improve and be right there. Joe Ingles had a huge bounce back year last year, and then Donovan Mitchell, another one of those young guys who logically should be continuing to make that step from, you know, superstar to top five player. This league is going to be, uh, you know, there for the taking once some of these older guys phase out, and he'll be right there for it with the, with Devin Booker. That being said, I'll go with the Nuggets. Getting healthy again, getting Jamal Murray back. Jokic is too dynamic. He's really been unstoppable on the offensive end. So I'll go with the Suns and the Nuggets. Alrighty.
0: Rolling with the Suns and the Nuggets. I love that. My Eastern Conference, I'll keep it short and sweet. It's the Bucs and the Nets. We're going to run it Mm -hmm. back. They will be the top two teams in the East. I don't think there are really any true contenders for those two spots besides these two teams right now. They're ahead above... The Boston Celtics, they're a, above the, uh, they're a head above the Philadelphia 76ers, especially with the Ben Simmons. We didn't even talk about our guy Benny Sims this week. We'll get to him <laughs> next week, I'm guessing. I can't wait to break down the first the first appearance of Ben Simmons in, uh, in what was that, first Prudential Fieldhouse or whatever the hell they call that in Philadelphia. Oh boy, get your popcorn ready for that one. But like I said, Sixers are a dumpster fire right now. Who knows what their chemistry is going to look like all year. The Knicks were the four seed in the East. The Hawks were the five seed. Maybe Atlanta. That is the one team I could see potentially vying for this two seed and vying for that conference finals berth. But the Heat, I don't believe in at all. They're too old and they can't shoot well enough. The Boston Celtics don't have the depth. And they don't have the overall size. I don't believe in Robert Williams to stay healthy all year. And then, I mean, what what are we talking about here? The Wizards, the Pacers, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Raptors. Like, no. It's two teams. It's the Nets and the Bucks,
1: and I think it's going to be probably the most popular pick for the conference finals. But I think it's the right pick. I, I can't really disagree with you there, though. I do think that the East will be much more entertaining than the West. The Bulls and the Knicks, I think, will both be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the Celtics are fun. Who knows? They got potential. But yeah,
0: Celtics. The Sixers two, will... two top twenty five players and a new coach, new blood. There, I think Robert. If Robert yeah. Williams can stay healthy, Pat, all year. Then sure, I think the Celtics are a stealth Conference Finals candidate, but the guy just he never seems to play three weeks in a row, let alone two weeks in a row.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I, I completely agree with you. It's going to be Bucks and the Nets, even without Kyrie. I think the Nets will be uh, even more dynamic, even better. So, I've been seeing Giannis. Hitting some turnaround jumpers in this preseason, though. He's extending hitting that some range Those
0: threes. That started last year. Pat, remember he was hitting that little 10 to 15 mm-hmm. foot jumper, like that little pull up in transition was deadly in the finals against the Suns? Well, he wasn't I think great leveled, with it. He keeps leveling up this year. I think it keeps, up, keeps yeah.
1: going up. He wasn't great with that jump shot last year, but unlike Ben Simmons, he worked at it. He tried at it. He put it into put it into practice in real games, in the playoffs, and what do you know? It's going to reap its benefits this year. So, crazy how that happens, isn't it?
0: It's just amazing. It's amazing how that happens. We'll see if Ben Simmons, if, uh, we're not, actually, wait, no, we won't see if Ben Simmons does anything, because he never (laughs) listens to anyone who gives him any advice, it seems. My finals pick, (laughs) Nugs, Nets, in the finals, I got the Nugs over the Mavs, and I have the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to do it. I'm probably going to do it every year because I just love this Nuggets team so much. And I hate yep. going again, going, with the, uh, going with the majority. But I got the Nugs winning it all, baby. They're going to get it done one of these years with this core. The age, the palpability, the upward trajectory. I just think it's too strong for it not to happen once over the next three years. So, boom. I'm doing it again. After I picked them in 2019 and they barely fell short in that conference finals against the Los Angeles Lakers... Picking
1: them again, right here, Pat. Give me the nugs to lift the Lario I like the pick. I'm going to take the Nuggets out of the Western Conference as well. the The Nuggets over the Suns, and um, I'm going with the Nets as well. Nuggets, Nets, Nets are going to be my NBA champion, though. I just think Kevin Durant is the best basketball player that is currently breathing air on this planet Earth, and that's going to be the difference maker. He was mm-hmm. so good last year; almost carried that Nets team past the Bucks was literally a toenail away from knocking the Bucks out and taking that team to the championship. I think once he gets to the championship, that's just the difference. You're not going to be able to stop Kevin Durant, the best player in that championship's going to win it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all there is to it. Until, uh, until KD declines, I don't see any reason why not to put my money on the Nets this year. Basketball gods, please, I beg
0: you make Klay Thompson look as good as Kevin Durant looked coming off of an Achilles. Please, for all of our sakes, please. It would just make the Western conference an unpredictable Western conference, even more unpredictable at that. That is the one thing injury wise that I think could flip the title race here is if Klay Thompson comes back healthy, we all know how dominant Steph Curry is. We all know that Draymond Green, while declining has that defensive acumen left in the tank and has that playmaking ability on his back pocket. And Jordan Poole, I love what he looked like last year. I'm going to be watching the Golden State Warriors very closely, as we will, of course, be watching the Kevin Durant Nets closely as well. They tip off the season on TNT Tuesday night against the Milwaukee Bucks. I know I'll be tuning into that. I'm sure Pat will as well. And we'll be talking to you all about the first week of NBA action and all the happenings in Major League Baseball and the NFL once again next week. It is full-on fun season in all the major sports, all four cooking in their playoffs or regular season slates. We have it all covered here on Riding the 3x3. For Patrick Fetch, I'm Russ Heltman, wishing everyone a happy, healthy rest of the weekend. Talk to you next Friday.